Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, good morning, everyone. Welcome along to Tradies News in a Nutshell. For your Wednesday morning, it's the 28th of June, 2023. Daniel Pedgrew in the chair for the next hour, broadcasting through SEN 1170 AM in Sydney, SENQ 693 AM in Brisbane, and SEN 1620 AM on the Gold Coast. one 1170 our open line number. You can text anytime, 0457 736 736. That's all before breakfast with Vossi and James Magnus. This morning, Brandy on his RDO. And for our listeners in Queensland, it will be Pat and Heels after the 6 o'clock news. Good to be with you. Exciting day of sports. Second test getting underway a little later on tonight. Of course, you'll hear it across the SDN network. We will hear an interview that Barat Sandarason did with Pat Cummins yesterday. In about half an hour's time, we'll play that to you. Matty Cox is back uh, from his couple of weeks holiday. We're going to have a chat with him, host of Tradies News in Melbourne, about all the big sporting issues of the week. We might also find out how his holiday was as well. So looking forward to having a chat with him in about 15 minutes. Plenty of rugby league news floating around, news around Reese Walsh uh, which we'll get to in just a second but most importantly, as always, want to hear from you. one 1170 0457 736 736. It's Wednesday morning, 2 past 5. The Hot Topic. Thanks to Rheem. Built tough for Aussie conditions. When it comes to water heating, ask your plumber to install a Rheem. Does your hot water need replacing? Go steady, hot and strong. Ask your plumber to install a ream. Just before we get to the news of the day, and we'll start uh, with Reese Walsh. I don't know if you caught the Ian Chappell, Ian Botham thing on Channel 9 last night. I didn't. I will watch it today um, if I get a chance. However, got me thinking, great sporting feuds for your Wednesday morning. Can be on the field, off the field, Bit of both. 0457 736 736 or 1300-01170. From all reports, uh, the Ian Chapel, Ian Botham thing was a lot better than the Warney documentary, which we might have a bit of a chat about with Matty Cox a bit later on in the show. But anyway, if you watched it, let me know what you thought of it. But great sporting feuds on the field, off the field here in Australia or somewhere else around the world. 0457 736 736, our text number, or 1300 01 Our open line number, three past five. Let's get to some of the news of the day. Now, uh, the judiciary hearing for Reese Walsh went well into the night. Actually so late that the Broncos officials that were in Sydney for the hearing missed their flight. Anyway, he is going to be missing State of Origin 3 after he was found guilty of a contrary conduct charge and suspended for three matches for verbally uh, verbally abusing referee Chris Butler, despite arguing that he was swearing at teammate Patrick Carrigan. Now, it was one of the most bizarre judiciary hearings ever seen, and he was found guilty by the panel of Tony Pulitura and former referee Sean Hampstead for saying what he said, which we can't uh, repeat here, uh, to Butler and Sunday's loss to the Titans. Uh, now, the decision, though, it wasn't unanimous with Judiciary Chair uh, Jeff Bellow, the deciding vote, after an hour-long deliberation based on video evidence that showed Walsh's tendency to challenge decisions earlier in the game. So the NRL had been asking for a four-game ban 
uh, while the defence hoped for a one-match suspension, despite Welsh being charged four times this season, including two incidents in origin last week when he was sent off for a headbutt. The panel, though, has settled on three games uh, because he didn't question the integrity of the officials. Walsh said afterwards, I'm a bit disappointed in the outcome. I accept the decision of the panel. I know that I'm a role model to young kids in the community, so I'm going to work, continue to work hard and be better in those areas that I need to get better at. Um, now, the case was delayed by 30 minutes before Carrigan appeared uh, as a witness via video link, but he was on mute for two minutes. Um, two Broncos fans walked from Paddington to hear the result, but had to wait in the cold for more than three hours. That, now, that is keen. Um, that is very keen. I, I love people that are passionate about their footy, but uh, for people, I, I don't know, has anyone else ever stood outside the judiciary uh, to hear the result? Anyway, well done to those two Broncos fans. Uh, if you are listening, I'm happy to hear from you. one 1170 or 0457-736-736. So he's out for three games, which is a big blow for the Brisbane Broncos. He's been very good this year. But I think the suspension probably warranted three weeks. Um, and not just with that, what we saw on Sunday afternoon against the Titans, but he's been sailing a bit close to the wind for a little while now. We mentioned the Origin games. He's uh, probably got a bit too ahead of himself uh, in terms of just the way he's been behaving over the past month. Maybe, and I uh, think it might have been David Riccio that said this, or Cariana said this uh, yesterday, might be a good thing uh, for uh, Reese Walsh just to take a step back or two, but it's not a good thing for the Brisbane Broncos. Kevin Walters won't be happy about it at all. It also opens the door for Caelan Ponga to possibly play Origin 3 for the Maroons. AJ Brimson and the Hammer also options to play fullback in Sydney on July 12 in two weeks' time from now. Uh, right decision, wrong decision. Look, I think uh, it's the right decision. Three matches. Broncos fans, how are you feeling about it? And you'd have to say that uh, Kevin Walters, they would be disappointed with their loss on Sunday afternoon. And you only have to cast your mind back about 12 months where the Broncos were in a very similar situation, weren't they? When they were going along very nicely, uh, leading into the state of origin period and then lost, what, the last seven or eight in a row. They were in the top four for the majority of season 2022 before they slipped out of the top eight entirely, didn't make the final. So I'm sure in the back of probably not just Kevin Walters' mind, definitely Broncos fans' minds, and I'm sure some of the players that they do not want to see history repeating them itself this year. And to lose one of their best players for a few weeks isn't a great way to kickstart the run home to the finals. Broncos fans, are you worried at all? I, I, I think they'll make the A, but it's not great to be losing your fullback who's been in great form. I agree with the suspension, though. one 1170 or 0457 Now, cricket starts tonight. As I say, we'll hear, you'll hear it on the SEN network. We'll hear from Pat Cummins after we speak to Matty Cox. But England will enter the Lord's Test without a frontline spinner after Josh Tung was named to replace Moeen Ali. Uh, the right-arm paceman, Tung, is the sole inclusion in the host team. Uh, Ali had been struggling, as we know, with the finger issue during his test return in Birmingham last week. Uh, Tung, he's 25, and he made his debut at Lords earlier this month against Ireland. He also dismissed Steve Smith in county cricket earlier this year. The decision means England has opted against the leg uh, spin of teenager uh, Rian Ar Rowan Ahmed and means Joe Root, the world's top-ranked test batter, 
will also have to provide England's main spin option. Really looking forward to this test. It was at this time last week that we were talking about Australia's amazing win on the back of that Pat Cummins and Nathan Lyon partnership. This one at Lords sounds like, and we spoke to Paul Dennett from the Cricket Unfiltered podcast yesterday, it sounds like the pitch will be a bit more lively than the one we saw in Birmingham last week. Do you see Australia making it 2-0 or do you think England will fight back? I know Paul said yesterday he believes England will win and he believes England will win in four days. He doesn't expect it to go to the fifth day. Looking forward to it. It begins tonight, of course, on the TV networks, but uh, you'll hear it right here on SEN, our coverage from 7 p.m. tonight. Very much looking forward to the second test. If it's anything like the first test, uh, we're in for another exciting five nights. Your thoughts on what's going to happen in the cricket? 0457 736 736 or 1300 0111 70. And would you be making any changes to that Australian team from game one? I think, as we said to Paul yesterday, more likely, we'll wait and see, but more likely uh, changes will happen between the next couple of test matches as they are much closer together than the one that we just finished a week ago and the one that we're just about to start. And just before a break, Manly, Josh Schuster, we know uh, they signed Luke Brooks to a four-year deal the other day. Uh, Josh Schuster has agreed to a three-year deal worth about $2.5 million to remain at the club. Uh, just a day after the Sea Eagles landed Luke Brooks to wear Schuster's number six jersey, uh, Schuster has recommitted to the club despite Brooks' imminent arrival. He still had 12 months left on his current deal, but now has a new three-year deal after a heart-to-heart with coach Anthony Seabold. Uh, I think um, Schuster moving to the back row is a very good idea for the Manly Seagulls. I think Luke Brooks, I st- uh, as I said yesterday, I still think he'll be a good signing for the Manly Seagulls, but time will tell. So that's just some of what's on our agenda on this Wednesday morning. The great sporting feuds. Reese Walsh, correct decision or wrong decision? Do you think you should have got less? And are you a little worried if you're a Broncos fan? one 300 Your thoughts on the cricket, what's going to happen over the next five days and anything else in the world of sport? one 300 open line number. You can text 0457 736 736. It's 10 past five. Wednesday morning, Tradies News in a nutshell. Talking the great sporting feuds this morning. We'll get to your text in a moment. Uh, also, after we speak to Matty Cox, uh, the Daily Telegraph has listed nine players that could replace Luke Brooks at the West Tigers. I'll go through them and see who you would like there. 0457 736 736 or 1 Time to have a chat with Matty Cox in Melbourne, host of Tradies News in Melbourne and, of course, uh, South Australia as well. And he's back. And we're about to speak to him now. Oh, sorry, Dan. Well, that, I, I well, haven't quite remembered what to do here. Uh, welcome to you. Welcome, welcome back, Matty. That was uh, firstly good news. Oh, there you go again. Yeah, uh, you, you, you still you're sure you're not still on holiday? Oh, the brain this morning. I was just having an off-air conversation to uh, Nims. Yes. I had to resort to the vending machine this morning uh. just for a bit of an extra boost uh, in the step because... Uh, it's a tougher morning. The first uh, two were actually quite easy to get through, despite mm. the 3am alarm. Mm. Mm. But for some reason, it mm. hit me like a tonne of bricks this morning. How was your holiday, Maddie? Everyone uh, was wondering. We have missed your uh, missed your voice over the past couple of weeks. Too short. Too, <laughs> Too short. short. Too short. Yeah, I should have done what you did yes. and take half a year off. <laughs> yes. Well, you should. I'd actually recommend that. 
Um, <laughs> I'm actually off tomorrow, but that's for different reasons, which I can't, yes. I can't help. But uh, you will be uh, filling in. So not, well, not you won't be filling in. You'll be doing your normal show. But I'm sure you'll be uh, including some wonderful rugby league talk as well because we know you love your uh, NRL, Maddie. Yeah, particularly Melbourne Storm. That's all you're going to get tomorrow uh, morning for your, <laughs> well, your audience. They have a very big clash uh, before we get to what we are going to talk about. They've got a very big clash on Friday night against the Panthers. And something we're going to see over the next few weeks, of course, the Women's World Cup coming up, is that we're seeing a lot of the normal NRL venues taken over by the Women's World Cup. So that game on Friday night, uh, and I think the Storm are playing a couple, two or three at Marvel Stadium, uh, and this one against the Panthers. So it's going to be interesting to see how many people they get for a Really big clash on Friday night. Roof open or roof closed? Has that been determined yet? Uh, I haven't paid attention to that little oh, bit no. of it. What's the weather going to be like on Friday? Any idea? Well, no, knowing Melbourne, rubbish. Cold, right, considering yes. Yeah. It went from 31 <laughs> degrees to about nine, uh, uh, which awful. is a big change. But uh, no, I think that the policy is that uh, the roof will be shut, I would imagine, and I think there's a bit of wet weather forecast anyway, mm. so that's probably a redundant conversation. Yes, well, it'll be interesting. Oh, look, I I don't know what AFL is on on Friday night in Melbourne, but you'd hope there would be a decent crowd for a, a game like that, because if it was to be played at Amy Park, which is their normal ground, I would think they'd get a pretty big crowd. So, yeah, we'll have to wait and see Marvel Stadium. We're going to see well, games at the Gabba as well, uh, which will be interesting. Well, we, we we should get a big crowd at Marvel because there's a game at the SCG on Friday well, there you night go. for us. So you've stolen our uh, our sport for the night. We've swapped. Yes. Yes, we have. We've done, we've done a swap season. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Gabba, SCG, Rugby League, Marvel Stadium over the next six weeks should be good. It should be indeed. Now, yes. State of Origin unfolded mm. last week. What's the fallout yeah. been? Because you've got two... There's two different storylines, as I, I can see. From a New South Wales perspective, it's pretty dire. And would it be fair to suggest it was a missed opportunity for this era, considering mm. the last two series? Yes, I think so. Um, the fallout, well, I have to say on Thursday morning, uh, so the morning after uh, game two, my show, and then breakfast with uh, Vossi and, well, it wasn't Brandy that day, probably thankfully for him, but uh, James Magnuson was in that day, uh, was the busiest I've ever seen it. Uh, from mainly New South Wales fans, of course, there are a few Queensland fans happy about it, but uh, Matty, as I said on Thursday morning, the majority of the talk was about New South Wales. Queensland played well, uh, very impressive two games. Performance last week at Suncorp Stadium, really impressive. But all the talk out of New South Wales, what's going to happen for Game 3? What's going to happen with uh, the coaching and the selection staff after Game 3? Uh, which we'll just have to wait and see what happens uh, surrounding that. But, yeah, disappointing. However, I think the Queensland side, you, you look back on it now, a week has passed. New South Wales were very disappointing, no doubt about that, in Game 2 and Game 1, to be honest. And I think... Maybe some of the selections uh, were queried uh, throughout the game and before the game. But Queensland, a lot of young players and a little talk about are they building a new era like we saw, probably not as good as the era that saw Cooper Cronk, Jonathan Thurston, Cameron Smith, uh, Darren Lockyer and the like. But they're building a nice new era where these players are going to be playing for Queensland, barring any injuries for the next seven, eight, nine, ten years. So disappointing for New South Wales, having lost two series in a row now, both, which I think going into both of those series, both this year and last year, Matty, both thought, uh, well, a lot of people thought New South Wales, it was winnable for them. Not guaranteed, but winnable for them. So questions being asked. We'll see what team they pick for game three and we'll see what happens with 
uh, Brad Fittler and Greg Alexander and uh, other people after game three. But, yeah, you'll have to wait and see. But disappointing for New South Wales. Hey, good morning to Sammy Watson, who's just interrupted me in the studio here this morning. Um, Billy Slater. Yes. His coaching credentials, we've spoken to him or spoken about him regarding the Melbourne Storm job potentially at some point in the, in the future once Craig Bellamy does depart. Has his coaching credentials increased as a result of what he's been able to achieve in the what is it, two two years that he's been in control of this Maroon side? Yeah, I think so. Uh, and no wonder the Queensland Rugby League want to keep him on. Uh, him and his combination with Cameron Smith, who's heavily involved in the coaching staff as well. You can see his influence in the team. But you can see that these two have worked together on and off the field for, what, 20-odd years now. Uh, so you can see the friendship uh, and... The other thing is they know the game very well. And, yeah, uh, it, it's going to be interesting when it comes to Billy Slater because we see Craig Bellamy going around for another year next year, at least in 2024. Jason Riles, who was the assistant coach at the Roosters for the past couple of years, is heading back to the Melbourne Storm. All the talk is that Riles will be the next coach of the Melbourne Storm, but I still wouldn't rule out Billy Slater at some point. But from what people close to Billy Slater have been saying, Cameron Smith has said it a couple of times, that he seems to be quite happy with his Queensland work, his TV work at the moment. Now, that could change down the track, but at the moment, I think he's probably happy with what he's doing. But, yeah, he could definitely coach. And it wouldn't shock me one day to see him coaching in the NRL, whether that be at the Melbourne Storm or elsewhere. But I think right now he's happy with what he's doing at Queensland. And to be honest, who can blame him? Yeah, well, and that's that's the feeling that we get down here too. The fact that does he really want the the intensity and the scrutiny of a of a full premiership season compared to this representative football, which does allow a much more balanced life? Well, it does, doesn't it? I mean, and you see that with Brad Fittler as well, uh, New South Wales coach, but really very similar situation. He works on Channel Nine. He gets to the media work, concentrates on New South Wales, um, and it's a lot more than just the three games a year. Uh, there's a lot of work that goes into it, but. Yeah, I, I think maybe one day, but I think at the moment uh, he's happy with what he's doing. But I, I think he would make a very good NRL coach. But you got to remember, Manny, um, and we'll talk about the West Coast Eagles in a moment, the, the scrutiny of coming and going into coach week in, week out compared to the three games of origin. Now, I know throughout that six-week period of origin, which we're in now, that is very big. It's all a lot of people focus on in the rugby league world. But once it's done, it's done. When you're a club coach, if you're if you're lost four, five, six games in a row and you're coaching for potentially 30 weeks in a row, it's a hard slog and it's a long season. So I'm sure that would come into his mind as well. Particularly when you're not very successful. It makes things yes. incredibly difficult. Well, what is happening with the West Coast Eagles, Maddie? Because I was flicking back and forth between the Rugby League and the Swans on Saturday afternoon and... I must say, I turned my attention to the rugby league and I looked at my phone and the Swans, 205 points. What is going on? Got like great win for the Swans, but what's going on over in the West? Yeah, well, and it probably inflates Sydney a bit considering the season that they've had and where they currently find themselves on the ladder. They're 13th. So you've got the 13th place side beating the 18th place side mm. by, by an extraordinary margin. I think it's the fourth largest margin in our game's history, the VFL-AFL combined. What's going on? Well, you need to go back a couple of years for the West Coast Eagles. It it's, was a successful period for them. They had some star-quality players. They claimed the premiership back in 2018. 
But from the COVID era, if you like, they there was a real resistance from the West Coast Eagles to buy into that hub situation, particularly when they were forced to relocate to Queensland. And pretty much from then on, it's deteriorated. They've had injury issues for the last two seasons in particular, which saw on Monday the, the team announced that their strength and conditioning manager will depart at the end of the season. So that's the, the first domino to fall if you like, there's a, a question mark regarding the talent that they've got and whether that's being developed appropriately, considering that they've traded out a lot of their top picks that they had in the draft for these mature age recruits, which were aimed at giving themselves another shot at the premiership. And based on what their list, list profile was two or three years ago, you could mm. probably see that, yeah, that that is a trajectory that is possible, but in the last 18 months, maybe even two years, it was probably seen by a lot of experts that this club did need a, a rejuvenation, kind of what we've seen with almost the, the Geelong and the, the Sydney Swans as another example of how they've always remained competitive with a with a good list. They've got the, the top-end experienced talents, the maturity, but then they're always able to replenish and refresh with the young talent coming through. West Coast haven't done that. And with all the injury concerns that they've had in the last 18 months, they're, they're throwing young kids into games that simply aren't ready. And now you've got, in the in the last probably two months, you've got a query over those leaders as to whether or not they are playing 100%, whether they are contributing or whether they have become complacent. There's only two players that are currently playing in the twos that are listed on the West Coast Eagles list. That's how dire the injury situation is. But the focus is now on the fact that there is no real competitiveness. And your audience would have got a front row seat to Mm. that on Saturday afternoon with their performance against the Sydney Swans. And it's something um, we see in the AFL from someone that doesn't watch each and every game. But we do seem to see every year that there seems to be at least one or two clubs that really struggle. The NRL doesn't have that as such. We've seen teams like the West Tigers struggle for many years, unfortunately for West Tigers fans. But it does seem in the AFL it's always one or two teams every year really struggle. Is there a reason for that? Maybe not enough depth for the talent around the teams? I think, what, the 18 teams that are in the competition? Or is there something else that you can pinpoint it? I think it's just acknowledging where the club is at and being able to determine mm. what levers to pull. I also think it's it's part of the equality process, uh, sorry, the, the equality across the competition mm. because of our draft system and the, and the way that works, our trading system and the way that works. I think that all contributes to the fluctuations that teams have had. In saying that, though, you've got teams, as I said before, like Geelong, like the Sydney Swans, Richmond, to a certain degree, could be considered in this category as well, that have always been able to replenish on the run. There's probably been a year or two for Geelong and Sydney where they've stepped out of finals in the last decade or so, Mm. but they've always been competitive. They've always been at that top end of the ladder. So it is possible to be able to achieve that, but you've got to have the right knowledge, the right experience. It's, It's the things behind the scenes, not necessarily the cattle out on the ground that that ensures that 
there's not this great big drop-off. And when we do see these big drop-offs, usually it's because the planning hasn't gone in to ensure that there is that talent there that is capable of topping things up. North Melbourne is another example for us in the last couple of years is probably a team that, that fits into the category that you're talking about that hasn't been as competitive or successful. And that's largely because there was a couple of different ideas as to where the club wanted to go. They were too late to hit the button to rebuild. And unfortunately now it's cost them an extra couple of years. Just quickly on the Swans, can that be a turning point in this season or you wouldn't read too much into it? I'm more curious to see what they do on Friday night against Geelong. I know it, it's mm. it's a flattering scoreline. Yep. But I also know the opposition they were playing. It's a confidence boost for them, but mm. whether or not that will generate enough of a jump for them to go inside the top eight, as I said, they're still sitting in 13th position. They are, what is it that? They're game behind. So they're a game behind Adelaide who's sitting eighth. So mm. it's not out of the realms and their percentage now, thanks to last weekend, has received quite a big boost. So they are still in the mix, but where against Geelong, who themselves have been through peaks and troughs, it's a curious game at the SCG on Friday night, and one I'll be playing very close attention to both sides because I think that will give us a good guide as to where they will sit as we head into the back half of the season. And I'm sure we'll get a big crowd as well. Uh, now, we have players, and I know a lot of people in Melbourne ask me this all the time, why do we get players in the NRL swapping mid-season? I know it doesn't very, I think very rarely happens in the AFL. Do you guys look at this? We've got a story at the moment with Ben Hunt, the Dragons captain, the Dragons halfback, who looks like now he's going to be staying at the Dragons for the rest of the year. But at one point in time, last weekend, looked like he was going to go to the Broncos mid-season. Uh, we've seen it a lot. Do you guys look at the rugby league at the NRL and think it's a little strange that players are moving mid-season? I reckon in the past we have, mm. but I reckon we're edging closer, closer. and closer to a mid-season trade period. Mm -hmm. I think we brought in the mid-season draft a couple of years ago, and, and the, there's some been, been some great success stories amongst that from those that have been recruited from the lower-level competitions into the AFL system and made an immediate impact. Marlon Pickett was probably the most prominent, given that he was picked for Richmond in the mid-season draft, and then his first game was a grand final where he, he won it back in, uh, what was that, 2018, 2019, sorry, 2019. Mm. Um, so that I think as part of that evolution, as part of our mid-season evolution, I get the impression that we'll be heading towards a mid-season trade style, but that's still different to the way the NRL operates and that the player exchanges and the transfer deals that are done. And even the, the, the I want to describe it as kind of the loan system, because I remember in the past, you've had mm. players that have signed agreements with a club for a year down the track, mm. and then they're loaned out to a, to a third club in between the two clubs. We've seen it. Uh, well, during COVID, we saw Harry Grant go from the storm to the Tigers, uh, Paul Momorowski, I think it was from the Tigers to the Melbourne Storm, actually Paul Momorowski winning uh, the competition with the Melbourne Storm because of that uh, loan. We saw David Nofaluma at uh, the Tigers, one of the Tigers wingers, been playing for the Tigers for years, went down to Melbourne last year, played the last eight or nine games. And then uh, you see players just leave mid-season to sign for another club for 18 months, two years. And uh, the other thing that I think 
uh, noise NRL fans is that the fact is that when we get to November 1 uh, this year, what, in four or five months, you can get players negotiating for 2025. So you could still have uh, theoretically 18 months left in your contract, although it would only be a year, but you'd still have a whole season um, plus another off season to uh, get through before you, you actually play for that team. So I think that does become a bit of a distraction, but I don't know if that is ever going to change. I know there's been different options looked at. Um, it, it is a weird one when you see uh, players just changing teams mid-season, talking to other clubs, knowing that they are going to another club before the start of a season the season before it yeah it is it's a little all over the place and if you're looking at it from the outside looking in it is a bit of a weird one but I don't well the but the CBA still hasn't been agreed to they haven't done anything with that so we still don't know if anything's going to change once or if that ever gets signed but yeah it is an interesting one from the outside looking in would you prefer a streamlined process like what we have when it comes to contract and trading or do you appreciate this openness, if you like. To, uh, from a personal point of view, it, it doesn't overly bother me, but I do understand why it bothers a lot of other fans. Um, for I, I get it that whilst we love our sport, it is a business and players have got to look after their future as well. But I think in the case of uh, this Ben Hunt story, it has been, honestly, Maddie, I know you were away, but it was the headline news, Monday, Tuesday, even Wednesday, until the cricket probably took over and then Origin, uh, headline news over State of Origin and then a distraction for the Dragons. When it becomes a distraction like this, I think it's a problem. When it's done behind closed doors and it gets done quietly and it uh, just happens, probably not as much of a distraction. But I think there probably is a better way that they can do it. But whether they actually ever bring that in remains to be seen. Very curious. Now, mm. before we yes. quickly finish up with the Ashes, yeah. I believe you watched Warney. I, I did watch Warney, yes. The miniseries, documentary, whatever you want to call it. Uh, yes. Uh, I'm not sure I'd call it documentary. But anyway, <laughs> a miniseries, yeah. Look, I, I thought it was okay. It, it wasn't brilliantly made. It wasn't the best thing you'll ever watch. But I thought for what it was, I thought it was okay. Um, I wouldn't be giving it more than probably a four or five out of ten, though. But... Uh, it, it did feel like, though, and I know this has been spoken about in various places, it does feel like or did feel like it was very rushed, um, maybe a bit too soon as well. But I thought it was okay. But, yeah, I think it could have probably been <laughs> a lot better as well. So if just say, for instance, someone out there may have missed the uh, the airing of it, mm. would you encourage them to go and watch it on the catch-up or just... Let it go by uh, the by. If you've got a really, 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 really quiet weekend, I'd uh, watch it. Uh, but it wouldn't be in my top probably 10 things to watch at the moment. And that's probably being nice, to be honest. But it was okay. It was all right. That's a no. That's a no. Uh, yes. Yeah. No, no. I mean, maybe watch it over Christmas or something when you've got some time off or something like that. <laughs> I don't get time off. No. Like, no, I don't do I get two weeks yeah. in the middle of the year. Yeah. I know, um, know the feeling. You, you do, although you go to all sorts of concerts and that. I'll be, um, I'll be here at Christmas. Ashes Maybe. tonight. Yes. Second test gets underway. There was mm. the conversation about who would be selected as the fast bowler going into the first test from an Australian perspective. It seems as though we've got that conversation again. Yes, uh, and we spoke on this show uh, to Paul Dennon, who's part of the Cricket Unfiltered podcast uh, yesterday. He was unsure. He didn't think there would 
be any changes, but I know Pat Gowans has been very tight-lipped on the team. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I know you're away, Maddie, but that first test, I'm sure you're keeping an eye on it. It was sensational. The way it finished at, what, 4 a.m. Uh, last Wednesday morning, almost leading straight into this show, which was nice and convenient for them. Thank you uh, for doing that. Um, it was just sensational. And if that is the way we're going to see the rest of the test series played with Bazball, uh, we're in for another fantastic four test matches. You'd expect at some stage England hit back, but the way they play, uh, it is it gets them a lot of wins, but it also brings Australia into the game some more. So, yeah, really looking forward to the second test getting underway tonight. Yeah, I'm looking forward to sitting down and watching it, considering that I didn't have access to it, mm. but was closely following it on social media over the last uh, week or so. But uh, it'd be very intriguing what the final 11 they go with tonight. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. How long, uh, because I know you're up early tomorrow morning, I would usually be, uh, how long will you stay up for watching it tonight? Well, I'm I'm tossing up. Do I stay up late mm. and try and catch the first bit or do I try and catch the back end of the day? That's That's the query I've got. Mm, well, uh, you strategy. have to watch you have to watch the first ball and then maybe stay up for the first half an hour and then get up and then go to bed and then get up and watch the latter end of the day. I don't know. Up to you, Maddie. It's a very interesting I'm, conversation I'm, though. I'm glad I came to you for some advice Thank because you just confused me even more. Well, half an hour at the start and an hour at the end. I think that's perfect. <laughs> you know, you know what because you've just done that? Yeah. <laughs> That's the wind-up music. Yeah, it is the wind-up music. Yeah. Thank you, Matty. Uh, I'll speak to you next week. We will indeed. Enjoy your week and enjoy the second test. Thank you. You too. Thanks, Matty. Good to have you back. Thank you, mate. Matty Cox in Melbourne, and I am actually away uh, tomorrow and Friday for a commitment I cannot avoid. Uh, so Matty Cox will be in the chair uh, tomorrow for you, and he'll have all the cricket covered. Uh, because I am going to be away uh, tomorrow and Friday, Chris Perkins, our American friend, has sent through his NRL tips. So get your pen and paper ready. We'll go through them very quickly. He's tipped the Sharks, the Warriors, the Storm, the Titans, the Cowboys, the Broncos, the Knights, and Manly. That is his tips. Just uh, for the record, if you are wondering, my tips are the Sharks tomorrow night. I think uh, the Warriors will get up over South Sydney. I think the Storm will beat Penrith down in Melbourne. Uh, the Raiders, I think, will be too good for the Titans, but that'll be a really interesting match. Cowboys, I think, will continue their good form against the Tigers. The Broncos at the Gabba, I think, will beat the Dolphins. The Knights should beat the Bulldogs. And I think the Roosters should have enough for the Manly Seagulls, but we will have to wait and see. Text coming in. I'll get to them on the other side of the break. We'll also hear from Pat Cummins with Barat Sander Race and 0457 736 736, our text number. Or you can call the open line 1300 0111 70. It is 21 and a half to six. Good to have your company. It is 17 minutes to 6 o'clock. We're getting here from Pat Cummins with Barat Sunderacen in just a sec. Just before that, a text here from Will uh, says, Terrible decision at the judiciary, Reese Walsh. Easy for me to say. Ref uh, said, didn't hear it. And a player from each team said, wasn't directed at ref, yet still found guilty. Uh, Cheese, Brandon Smith got three games uh, last year. Uh, for calling uh, the referee what he called him, which is far worse considering the millions of dollars involved there. Still waiting for the match review committee to come out and apologise for all the horrible calls in the game. I need a new TV. 
Uh, I'm sorry, I can't help you there. Uh, from Frustrated Bronx Fan, uh, that was from Will. Thank you. Uh, Will, your thoughts on the recent Walsh uh, suspension? Three matches means he will miss Origin 3. Interesting to see who comes in at fullback for Queensland. 0457 736 736 or 1300 01 We were just talking to Matty Cox about uh, the second Ashes test that gets underway tonight. You'll hear it on the SEN Network. Barat Sunderace and part of our coverage in yesterday. He caught up with Australian captain Pat Cummins. Pat Cummins, here we are, Lords. Uh, big test match coming up. You guys are 1-0 up. Does it feel like you're 1-0 up because everybody in England seems to feel like they won that test? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it does feel like we're 1-0 up. Um, yeah, we're all in really good spirits. Uh, it's been a good week. Um, great first test match, I think, all around. Um, so much like the fans, we're reaching to get into second. Uh, and just, uh, have you got time uh, to reflect on, uh, it's been a few days, on the win, just the last couple of hours, with you in the middle playing the hero role? Uh, it was nice. Um, yeah, I, I don't think the, the magnitude of it, um, yeah, still probably hasn't hit. Um, you know, I got loads of messages from back home, but um, yeah, you kind of still have to wake up and remind yourself you're in the middle of an Ashes series and... Yeah, it's these moments that you think about a lot in your career. Um, so being in the middle of one, it's pretty exciting. And then to have a win like you did and kind of be there at the end. So, uh, yeah, one of those, um, yeah, memories at the end of your career look back pretty sweet. Uh, um, have you looked back at your celebration? Quite excited. Well, understandably so. Chucking the helmet away, lifting Nathan. It's quite special. Yeah, it was. Um, and, it, yeah, to have someone like Nate there, I've played a lot with, um, you know, good mate. So that was special. Uh, and just, yeah, seeing how pumped all the our teammates and stuff were up in the box, that was awesome. Um, uh, and just Manus spoke about it yesterday. He said that uh, the fact that you guys won despite not having played even your B game, he said, in his opinion, um, gives you the confidence that, look, everything's going to come good, like the middle order is going to score runs uh, and the bowling is going to be even better. So do you, do you look at it in a similar way? Yeah, I do. I, I was you know, really proud of many things last week, but I think one of the most, you know, the biggest things to be proud of was that we managed to win um, and yeah, probably weren't at our best in certain areas. So that's the challenge ahead for for us this week. Um, tidy up a few areas. A couple of those guys that you know the best batters in the world. You know they're gonna um, they're gonna score runs at some point. So hopefully, uh, yeah, whoever it is this week can step up and get us over the line. And similarly, uh, you know, up against England and the new approach for the first time. Uh, you got five days to look at what they do and how they do it. Um, there are a few surprises here and there. The fact that you stuck to your guns, like you said you would, and got over the line, um, that confidence as well you take into this test? For sure. Um, no, absolutely. I, I don't think there's heaps of surprises going into the first, but even less um, surprises um, you know, when you play guys back-to-back tests. And, yeah. um, I think that's one of the beauties of an Ashes series. Having five matches against the same team is always it's always good. So um, we feel in a really good position. Uh, we love playing at Lords. It's been a nice week to be out here. And just with your bowling, Pat, uh, it looked from the outset at least that in that second innings is where you seem to be in perfect rhythm. Like even like going back to the World Test Championship final, uh, did you feel the same, sir? Oh, I think that's fair. Uh, you know, by the end of the World Test Championship, I felt like I'd kind of hit my rhythm. Before that, I, I felt pretty average. Um, and, yeah, bowling some long spells on that last day, oh, I felt in a really good position. So, 
um, yeah, long may it continue. Uh, and just two more, Pat. Uh, just about playing at Lords, you know, the slope and different conditions. We don't know what the pitch is going to look like. It's been covered. Uh, what different challenges do does Lords pose to whatever you face in Najbasin? Yeah, it's obviously a slope on the wicket. I don't know how big a factor that is, really. I've mm. played here quite a bit, but yeah. I've forgotten. Um, <laughs> uh, probably quicker square wicket, especially down the hill. Um, I'd say they're the, the biggest differences. And you know, last week was quite a dry wicket. It was weren't a lot of conditions to suit the bowlers. This one, uh, just looking at the five-day forecast, there might be a few more clouds in the air. Uh, and just finally on uh, Nathan, you know, 100 straight test matches. You've been part of a lot of them. You've captained him for the last 18 months. Uh, just And every time you see him, he seems to get better and better and better. Uh, just just how have you viewed his whole career, his longevity and his special occasion? Yeah, he's, he's amazing. He's a captain's dream because you just plot him down one end and he'll stay there and do a great job for you. So, um, yeah, to, you know, playing one test match is, is tough. To play 100... You've seen a lot of ups and downs. Um, physically, it's demanding. Um, even just being in line for selection across all conditions anywhere in the world is a huge um, is a huge achievement. So, yeah, huge week for um, for Gaz. Amazing. I think he's the only bowler in history to play 100 straight. Um, and yeah, I, I can't wait for his next hundred. Oh, just one final one. Um, the Alisa Healy's team has won a pretty famous Test win, first time in a long time that they played a five-day Test. Uh, how much of that did you see? And uh, a pretty fantastic finish in the end. Yeah, I saw a little bit of it. Um, yeah, it looked like it was tough going for some of the bowlers the first few days. Plenty of runs scored, um, and then yeah, a bit of spin at the end. So great, great win for them. Um, sets up their series nicely, getting the. The uh, four points there for the test match, and um, yeah, it'd be pretty sweet bringing back two earns. Yeah, no, one zero up, four zero up. Good start for both of you. Well done, Pat. Thanks, mate. Cheers. All right, Sunday racing with Pat Cummins. Don't forget SCN's call of the second test coverage tonight from 7 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time across the SCN network and the SCN app. It is ten and a half to six. Now, whilst all attention in the cricket world is on the Ashes beginning tonight, the second test uh, revealed yesterday Australia will open its 2023 one-day international campaign in a mouth-watering clash with hosts India. Uh, the fixture, the draw for this year's tournament uh, to take place between October 5 and November 19 on the subcontinent was revealed yesterday. It sees reigning champions England rather than the host nation opening the tournament against New Zealand. Um, the Aussies open against India, where they've won uh, uh, in Chennai, where they've won five or six one-day internationals, including a 21-run victory last March. Their second game will be against South Africa. So uh, their first game, Australia's first game against India, Sunday, October 8th from 7.30 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. A little way away yet, but uh, it will come around very quickly the weekend after the NRL Grand Final. A few texts to finish things off. Chukman says, Hi, Dan. It was pretty obvious watching the footage that whilst directed the abuse towards the ref. I think it's worth not owning it. Uh, a lot of kids would look up to him. The captain got warned at halftime about his behaviour. Uh, Andy says, Good decision. Looking forward to seeing the Broncos finishing ninth again. Uh, we'll wait and see what happens with that. Roosterman says, It wasn't that one incident from Walsh. He was running at the ref throughout the game. Enough was enough. He has to learn. Yes, he does have to learn. He's been in trouble a bit recently. And two uh, feuds from Dan uh, 
Harrison versus Spud Carroll. Uh, Paul Harrigan, sorry. It says uh, versus Spud Carroll and Sailor versus McDougal. Thank you for that. Chris, uh, that was. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for your company today. Breakfast with Pat and Heels coming up in Queensland. Vossi and Jazz Magnuson, one of their special guests, Clint Newton, through SCN 1170 AM. I'm off for the rest of the week, but I'll be back with you Monday morning from 5 AM. Breakfast follows the news.